Yo, hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to Opening Set Season 3, Episode 5. Oh, the finale of our micro season. Once again, the reason why it's a micro season is because this thing called COVID kind of struck us down. I'm in the middle of it, but hey, do not worry. Season 4 is actually coming, and I don't know, I want to say it might be the best season yet. The conversations have been like just awesome, just really good. But anyways, housekeeping as always, subscribe and share the Opening Set podcast. We are found on Spotify, Apple, etc. And when we say share, yeah, tell your friends, not just DJs, but also fellow creatives. We like to think what we have here at Opening Set is, you know, just kind of jewels for anybody and everyone. Uh, my man, John Reyes, he is killing it on the Twitch streams every Monday through Friday, 9 to 11. This awesome kind of ease into your day type of stream with a pop and chat, a lot of great R&B music that I am constantly shazam. I myself have been twitching here and there. Yeah, keep an eye out on me. I'll be doing things a little more regularly. You can find us both on Bandcamp as well. John Reyes is under Stank Palmer, or is it John Reyes? It's just John Reyes, J-O-N-R-E-Y-E-S. He has an awesome collection of up-tempo R&B joints. I myself, King Mo's Bandcamp. I have a lot of things going on over there. And today's very special guest is Ardu Platter, and he's a respected veteran DJ, remixer, producer, and a champion of vinyl culture. He's also the booker at Hello Stranger in Oakland and a resident of Oakland Motown on Mondays. And in the conversation, we talk about Platter's voice online, which can be seen as, you know, really passionate. But here he shares his thought process and how they are actually imitations for dialogue. I've posted stuff before and then I've deleted it, you know, just because I wasn't too happy about, uh, I don't know, of course there's going to be some examples, you know, since since fucking Facebook started, dude, where I was just like tipsy and, you know, fell out talking <laughs> shit or something Yeah, like that. we've all been there. But you know what? Look, I think it's nice of you to give me the platform to actually explain where my head is at when it comes to this, because there is something a little bit more to it than some people might perceive i mean it's not like i'm running around just like spouting fucking negativity constantly but like i don't have much of a filter i will tell anybody and everybody how i feel about a certain situation dude and that's always how i've been you know that's never not been the case with me you know ever since um i'd learned to talk probably but uh, <laughs> anyway um look the way that i see it is this not a lot of these things get brought up and or they don't have an outlet to get brought up okay and what I see come out of these posts that I make on occasion where I'm talking shit about, you know, certain aspects of either Bay Area living, DJ industry, blah, 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 so-and-so, is that there are discussions that come up and a lot of these discussions end up being really productive. They actually do end up being really productive. And it could be for me personally, like somebody might help me gain a different perspective on a situation or whatever, you know, something kind of like more personal, but more than anything, like I see these discussions go down and there are good things that come out of them. I mean, that's the initial intent. And also in this conversation, he shares super helpful ways to approach a booker at a club. The identity of Motown Money's Oakland, his project Breaking the Ice with champions, rare Icelandic funk, soul, and jazz, and other DJ tidbits. And to find out more about our dude, DJ Platter, visit djplattern.com. Find his music on Bandcamp under DJ Platter and find him under Twitter under Just Platter. All right, folks, here we go. We do an hour conversation, a power hour, I like to say. Shout out to man John Ray, always doing the hard work. Shout out to me. Shout out to you. Shout out to everybody. Stay indoors. Wash your hands. Season four is coming. Let's do this. Peace. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to Opening Set Season 3. We got a special guest, the tallest guest we've ever had, which I'm sure... Even uh, over Derek, too? D-Sharp? I don't know. Yeah. I think you should do a, a hide-off. A hide-off? Do you play basketball? I did. Okay. On occasion, I still do, but yeah, I did like a lot when I was a kid. So, is it, so it is true that tall people getting asked to play basketball is annoying, but also a very truthful question. It's not, not a thing. It's That's not, not a thing. Do you think it, you could take out D-Sharp in basketball? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I'm so out of shape, dude. No way. He'll like wind you. That guy lives in a, you know, in a basketball stadium. Dude. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he has to be good. You just know, by proxy. He's yeah, got to be. Just by soak, proxy. Yeah, he'll soak up how to like catch a pass or something like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you for doing this. You Absolutely, I, going you. down your, I guess if I was thinking about how to kind of perceive you to our uh, our listeners that are that may not be familiar or if they are, maybe they know you in one way, they didn't know you about another way. You're Oakland native. 
DJ, you're a big time record lover, just like I am. I am. Producer, occasionally. Yeah. 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 You make edits. And also a, a new focus right now for you is you book a venue. I book a venue. Yes. Okay. And we'll yes. definitely get into that. Yeah. But for kind of taking a step back to kind of the overall thing, okay. I want to ask you, Yes. what's your relationship to music in the year 2020? And how has that changed, if at all? It's interesting how after the amount of time that I've been involved in the music industry, that now it's actually less of a lifestyle necessity. It's actually gone back probably to what it used to be a little bit more in the early stages of my career, where I adamantly try to only involve myself in things that I care about versus need to do. Like I don't actually have to depend on DJing and music to make a living. Um, and so I can reprioritize and I have reprioritized over the years, the last few years, like kind of just shifted my focus to different things and to other things consciously. I, it was so that I could go back to just loving the music again. You know what I mean? It was a substantial stretch for a while where I just fucking hated it, you know? Did you, did you hate... And this is one thing I want, I want to jump in. Because I noticed when I said music, you automatically pivot to DJing. Sure. Is that kind of how you see in your head? They're one and the same? Not always. But yeah, I still approach music from a DJ sensibility all the time. You know, like when I'm picking up records, I'm always thinking of ways that I can utilize them, either for actual DJ gigs or sampling or something like that. So, I, you know, the two do pretty much go hand in hand still. I think I was kind of not inspired by music as a whole, honestly. I mean, I still do this to this day, but I think this actually started around that time was that every opportunity I got in just normal day-to-day -day life, I wouldn't listen to music. Like when I was driving somewhere, I wouldn't listen to music. When I would go for a run, I like I wouldn't listen to music, you know? I wouldn't play an iPod. I wouldn't play music just like nonchalantly in the background and whatnot. I mean, that's stupid, but I did it because I think I kind of had a general disdain for, I don't know, the hustle. Yeah. More than anything, so yeah, I know? think that was my next question. So it wasn't so much music, it wasn't much DJing. No, it, it was, was a it was direct the result of, of, the, of the hustle. Like, hustle of DJing, yes. which you connect yeah. hand in hand with music. Exactly. And then, you know, and then that's why ultimately in the last few years, like I just made a conscious decision to start shifting some things around because mm -hmm. I had to, like I hated that that was like that. The hustle. Okay. That I hated DJing and music in general because I was just so fucking burnt out on gigs and the kind of gigs and blah, blah, blah. And I just wasn't happy with, you know. Yeah. But just even the context, I think a lot of things when I was thinking about how to phrase these questions, it's all the words and the framework we automatically kind of use. We say the hustle and hustling is just after yeah. a while, it gets to be a, a fucking grind. Yeah, of course. It's you a know, job. People say just like the grind, else. the job, yeah, yeah, the hustle. Yeah. We always kind of use these really loaded words to depict it. Yeah. But what were some of the things that were just like withering away at you? Was it just getting work? Was it the music you weren't liking? Dealing with the general population? Yeah, well, yeah, it was definitely a little bit of each of those things. But I think probably more so for me is I didn't like that I was associating money and music as, as this marriage that I was depended on that started to bother me more than maybe it should. And not everybody, you know, obviously takes on that, but you know, I, I don't know, man, I'm still like in, in a lot of ways, I'm still just such a purist at heart, you know, and, and I know that's unrealistic and idealistic really at the end of the day, because we all got to eat and, you know, especially if we live in the Bay, it's like, shit, man, you got to do whatever the fuck you got, you can do, you know, to pay those bills and whatnot. But yeah, again, like I said, I just started trying to figure out ways to navigate through the industry and reshift my focuses so that I could go back to just enjoying the music for what it is. Yeah, like, let's jump into that because yeah. I was going to ask you about the your purity and your idealistic idea, but we can circle back to that my later. naivete. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, so, to be honest, though, bro, that's kind of you know as as we've known each other for a very long time, we kind of we do the very similar things. Like we're into records, mm -hmm. and we're into like club rock, and we're into yeah. like corporate and you know making those big checks. Sure, sure. But I've always noticed you really do have a love for music. I'm looking at you, and your hat says funk. <laughs> you have a Donald Bird T-shirt, yeah. not just any Donald Bird, like free James Brown button on the hat. Yeah, like, the whole like nine, you're yeah. very it's, about yeah, music. Yeah. I love that. That's great. I live it and breathe it still yeah, and yeah. so it, it has to be like that for me you know like 
in order for me to maintain some sort of happiness and like healthy relationship to music, yeah. it absolutely has to be that way. So this kind of transition we're talking about, you could tell us about in a sec, was really almost to the point of saying, I need to be a happier person. Yeah, and it was kind of like a life-saving decision in a lot of ways, you know, for me. We'll spill all that. Yeah, I yeah, sure, sure. Well, Hello Stranger. Well, okay, so Hello Stranger is a new, well, it's not new, new, but it's about a year and a half old now. It's a club in Oakland, club bar with like a really reputable and pretty admirable bar menu. The woman who actually runs the bar, her name's Summer Jane Bell. She's the wife of the owner or one of the owners. And she's got a really, really notable reputation in the cocktail industry. And so the, you know, the actual liquor side of things is very impressive. So, but anyway, so Bill and I actually used to be neighbors. And so I've known Bill for over 20 years. And when I lived in Temescal, when Temescal was still dangerous in Oakland, (laughs) back on 55th street, we used to, we had this kind of, it was a very interesting thing because we all used to party together. There was a lot of people within the same age range. And anyway, him and his girlfriend at the time were living in the downstairs apartment and we all used to kick it. We used to throw barbecues, parties, blah, blah, blah. We hung out. So I've known him for quite some time and then I didn't see him for years. Yeah, for like a really long time. And I don't think I'd seen the dude for like 10, 15 years. And then he hit me up via email just under two years ago and asked if I would be willing to just come and take a look at the space and maybe give them some insight. And let me just stop you right there. Because the past, I say, four years with Oakland is that Oakland's always been like, as you can obviously attest to, it's been like this vibrant city. There's always been nightlife. Like no. to say, there's there's never been nightlife. No, 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 no. There's not always been nightlife. Okay. There's probably always been a, at least a tiny hint, but man, the era that I come from, dude, it was, it was, yeah, no, that it, that didn't exist. That was when Frisco had it going on. Dude, okay, so. so the context of a new bar in Oakland opening mm-hmm. up. What, what is what is that then? Uh, you know, at the time when we opened a year and a half ago, it was exciting, and it's you know we've rode that wave ever since we opened, and it's been really successful. But now, honestly, man, probably in like the last six, eight, ten months or something like that. The idea of a new venue in Oakland right now is just kind of like, eh, whatever. Not a, not a big deal. It's really not that big of a deal, man. I, think, because I mean, I think this, the bar to me, I was talking to John Way over here, is that like, Hello Stranger is like the bar in Oakland to me, at least to a lot of people, actually. When he asked you to kind of look at it, did you feel like as an Oakland native and a DJ, um, I have a responsibility to do a certain thing here? Or is that someone that's a, a music head, I need to make sure the bar is set a certain level for the DJing? Or was it anything like that? Or you're just kind of like, I need to get a job and get the fuck out of DJing? No, 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 no. Honestly, at the time, I wasn't looking for anything. And the job that I have now for them is vastly different than what it started out as. And the initial conversation was literally just to come in and kind of give them some input and insight on the sound system, okay. on maybe their calendar a little bit, blah, blah, blah. And then it just turned into a job. That's really how it happened. It was not planned out in in any sort of way at all, but it was working and it was working well. And so we just kind of gradually kept rolling with it. And then I just ended up taking on more opportunities or not opportunities, just... um, Taking on more work, responsibilities. Yeah, just varied aspects of the DJ, you know, necessities for a nightclub. Mm -hmm. And what are those necessities to you? shit, man, make it hot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but see, here's the thing. But I mean, I, like I booked the initial residence. Yeah. Like I filled up the weekends uh, pretty quickly. Uh-huh. I filled the calendar in like three weeks before, um, and we didn't have talent, you know, every night of the week and whatnot. We only just now filled our last day of the week. that, And so we have DJs seven nights a week now. So. Well, yeah. So we say make it hot. It's, I think it's interesting. I want to ask you this. That's why I kind of want to have you on here because usually it's just the person who books a club is a person that works either, you know, the nine to five, I'm the marketing guy, like, mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm from the nightlife industry, but not as a DJ or a performer. Right. But you are actually one of the few people I know with exception to say like Manny at Monarch or like Noah Dice was actually a DJ, a music person. Yeah. Dominic and, down at Avery, of course. Golden yeah. Child, yeah, right? to, yeah. And I'm sure there's others we're forgetting right now, but usually it's, it's rare that's always the A and B axis sure, overlap. Sure, absolutely. So, did you have, have kind of like, well, since I'm a DJ, I want to make it hot. What does that mean? Okay, so yeah, and to go back to what you were asking earlier, um, yeah, I brought quite a bit of my sensibilities into the mix for mm-hmm. sure. And is that a common thing as the DJ booker? Because it varies from place to place. You know, some people would just look at. Oh, this person has twenty thousand followers. Let's book them this Saturday, or is it more like I don't care about that shit? I just want a good DJ who knows how to rock a party. Or that's a good question. Um, when I picked the first group of residents for the club, 
I remember actually talking to Bill about the kind of personality that I wanted, not necessarily type of DJ, type of blah, 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 type of this and that. Like I wanted a certain kind of personality in there. When he brought, you know, the idea to the table that like, okay, well, look, this is turning into something a little bit more. I'm going to have you basically be in charge of our residence, you know, then that's when that kicked into gear. The first thought in my mind is I just wanted cats that were about their hustle. Like they were, you know, good at promo, had good, interesting ideas, were versatile. Like we, from the get-go, I told Bill, ideally on Fridays and Saturdays, if we want to have a successful formula for everybody and by everybody, I meant mostly Oakland, but that's what Oakland is. It's super diverse mm -hmm. as far as the nightclub going public as well, is that we had to keep it open format. Like we got to play a lot of different shit to make sure that people are interested and that we don't turn everybody off. We're not going to just stick with, you know, club hits or, or whatever it is. Like it's, I'm really adamant about that. And so that went hand in hand with picking who, uh, yeah. who I wanted to see and who I wanted to, yeah, to see represent the club. Yeah. yeah. To be totally transparent, I play there many times yeah. and I'm always Absolutely. stoked. Yeah. Like it's always one of my, it's actually one of the few places I feel I get to kind of like do my thing. Yeah. And it doesn't go, like I know that it's not heaven on earth. You know? It's pretty tight to me. I mean, man. it's, do I it's it. dope. Yeah. It, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. most DJs have said that, but it doesn't, you know, it's still a nightclub and it's still, yeah, it's you know, still. a lot of young people and there's a bunch of Henri partying, you know, Whatever. Yeah, it's all time. You're dealing with like, Gen Pop. It, it, it I, call happens, him, I call him Gen Pop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so to play, kind of play devil's advocate, end of the day, though, though, yes, we want to play like newest Afrobeats, newest dance hall, maybe some obscure joints, you know, the, the Donald Bird, James Browns sure, of the world, sure. the, you know, the Caliucci or Tyler album cuts. End of the day, like, as person going out at 11 o'clock still wants to hear, you know, YBN, Drake, Bruno Mars, whatever, all the things, whatever the DJ thinks, it's that's working. So, did you kind of come in strong, like, yo, we're going to hit him some real open format, eclectic stuff, or has that kind of maybe eased off on that gas pedal a little bit as the club has kind of gotten, uh, you know, un, you know, st has stays very successful? Right. I'm still adamant about our weekends in certain parties, always maintaining that ethos, you know. But I mean, I'm not, dude, I'm not, you know, I'm not breathing down anybody's back, you know what I mean? I send out like a DJ update email every couple of months or something like that with some random... But I trust these guys, you know, yeah. I do trust them. And I know that they're all good at their jobs because it, the club has proven it, you know? Yeah, no, it, it, dude, it's, it's the shit. And also I like the word you said, the word trust. Yeah. Cause that's totally to me when I book a guest or when I pass a gig to somebody, trust is always the biggest thing. Dude, we used to throw a party. I think we tried like two or three of them and we called it trust SF. It was me and Dominic. Actually, we tried to do that at uh, that spot that was around the corner for mighty when mighty was mighty, whatever that little extra yeah. lounge or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole premise of it, like the whole marketing behind it was trust the DJ, you know, that was, that's what it was. But you know? so, yeah, you're doing the same thing. You're trust as this guy would be responsible, show up on time, not break the equipment, rock the party. <laughs> Handle, promo, yeah, exactly. All, all promo the whole nine, dude. Like you gotta be the package. You know what I'm saying? And some people are better than others at that and stay focused on certain aspects. And like, you know, when you're younger, your grind is a little bit thirstier and whatnot. But yeah. the fact of the matter is, is like my crew is dope, you know, yeah. like the cats that play at the club, like, you know, overall, like we have a pretty elite squad of Bay Area DJs, you know, that are working there. You are now the face of an extremely popular club, not just in Oakland, but like the Bay Area. A lot of new friends came out in the woodwork. Oh, fuck you, dude. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> yeah. So we always, talk, we always talk about the highs. Like, yes, this is a... I'm, I'm the booker at Hello Stranger. How you doing? But, you know, dude, I spend way more time, like, ignoring people than fucking, you know, like, well, dude. All right. Well, then... <laughs> I think one thing I like to do on the podcast is yeah. to not just, you know, share stories, but also kind of maybe give some like practical information to DJs that are, you know, steady, they're doing good. They want to like, you know, up their game for someone to kind of cut through the noise, cut through those emails of, Hey, booking at hello stranger. What are some tips that you can tell? What are some things that have worked or like, Oh, I should give this person a shot. Um, yeah. Not, to, not just a hello stranger, but just again, just couple, in general. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. 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 Sure. Um, we have had, I think out of all the people that are actually playing for us on a regular basis, mm -hmm. I think we have maybe two out of, you know, the 20 something plus DJs that weren't just cats that were on my radar. And so I bring that up uh, to make a point, And that point is, is that it kind of takes a lot, you know, 
I've had so many inquiries, man, where like literally in the first sentence, I'm like, nope. <laughs> It's not going to happen, dude. It's just not going to happen. Is it because him or her or they, do they kind of come off a little too heavy-handed or is it a lack of tact or politeness? There is definitely, definitely a sense of entitlement that I hear. And it's not, you know, oh, man, I don't want to like start diving into that whole, like, because that whole entitlement generation thing that a lot of people talk about now with like... The new kids, you know, the ones that just turned 21 and now can of legal age be in a club or working at a club or whatever. Like they just, you know, because I've seen it from older cats, too. You know, I've definitely seen it from dudes that like, like, I might not know about you. I don't give a shit about the fact that you got, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 fucking Instagram followers. None of that shit. And none of that matters to me at all. Okay. At all. Okay, so that's rule um, number one. Follower count doesn't doesn't really I don't, matter. I don't at a certain a point, about, it doesn't I don't matter. give a shit about that. You know, like I'm probably not gonna, like I know you're not gonna be super impactful if you have like seventy Instagram followers and you're trying to like really like do your thing. Because but if, if I play devil's advocate, sure. if that seventy person has uh, that person has seventy people and they are engaged and locked in, yeah, and they bring and all thirty show up. or all thirty yeah. to a packed place, it's like holy fuck, this yeah. is DJ so and so. That kind of DJ personality that's trying to get put on, we're usually filling them into slots that need filling, mm-hmm. right? Like a happy hour slot or like a random off night or something like that. And so we need somebody that's going to have some impact, you know, like you got to have a little bit of impact. But dude, it's more than just looking at the number too. You got to look at their feed, see what they're about, like, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Like if you're actually going to give them a chance, you know, as far as checking them out at least. Yeah. Dude, I should have screenshot all the emails and, and you know, just, just the nightmare like, yeah, the DMs. So they're just like, they're unbelievable sometimes. The main thing that is like, if I was going to give one piece of advice to anybody that's actually trying to get involved in, you know, a place that's really doing its thing and you want to be a part of that and, and capitalize on that opportunity, don't ever, ever hit somebody up without examples of your shit. Like that is the thing that just blows me away more than anything. Like I've gotten emails that are three paragraphs long that say nothing or refer nothing to the actual music that you play. No mix examples, no links in your emails or anything, dude. Like there's literally no evidence except you just talking about how much impact you might be able to have or how like blah, blah, blah. And like I'm really, you know, this and that. It's like really... You just imagine what anyone that's trying to hire somebody for like an actual professional job, like what they have to look for in a resume or, or a pitch or a cover letter or whatever it is. And if you actually try to apply for a job in that way with literally no examples of your work in, in any sort of way, like you're just going to get laughed out. And I see that more often than anything. And that's just crazy. Like I'm trying not to sound like too... Uh, judgmental here but like that seems like such a basic thing to me you know like if you're gonna hit up somebody for a job you got to show that you're good at that or at least capable of that job and so if you hit me up or hit up you know the email or whatever and you don't even have a link to your music or a mix or your instagram account or whatever the fuck it is whatever it is dude then anything whatever you know anything just show me something just show me a flyer from your you know your cousin's Bar mitzvah the other day, or whatever the fuck, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. No, there's not flyers for bar mitzvahs. But <laughs> the um, bar mitzvahs you go to. <laughs> yeah. But but that's the thing is, dude, just be prepared with, like, showcasing what you're about, you know. I feel like, honestly, I feel like there's a maybe, like, a little bit of self-doubt with some of these. And, again, I don't want to overgeneralize about an age group or whatever, but, like, however you word things or certain aspects of, again, going back to, like, follower count or something like that, it's not going to sell it. Mm-hmm. It might sell it at a cornier spot or something, and that's fine. You know, go do that. But we're, a, like, a serious music place, or I like to think that we are at least. Yeah. And so you got to come with something. Yeah. And, you know, and some cats have, and I've listened to their mixes, and, and I'm just like, hey, I, you know, I either respond and just tell them, like, maybe, you know, down the line or something, which is basically, that's a no. That's a, that's a polite no. <laughs> you know what? I've heard potential in a couple of different ones, you know, where I'm like, you know, if this person kind of worked at it for another six, you know, months to a year or two years or something like that, they could probably get better. It wouldn't be more beneficial for them to get 
booked at your venue or any venue, if they actually show up and kind of be big part, time. That was that was going to be the last thing I was going to point out. I've literally had cats that have hit us up that have never stepped his foot inside <gasps> Ooh, the, the venue. You good know, Lord, yeah. And serious. I mean, that's all. It's also just like I mean, that's also traveling DJs and something like that. Like somebody might have found out and they're like, "Yeah, I'm going to be on tour, coming through town, and blah blah blah." You know, shit like that. But, but dude, there's plenty of local kids that have never even been inside the spot, dude. Oh man, you know, and that's just fucking absurd. You know, <laughs> so you can boil it down. One, be, be, be present, like physically. I've been to the club many times. I've been to yeah, this night. I mean, and then they actually, you end up kind of recognizing, oh, I, I kind of know you. Like, oh, that's a start. Dude, like you can at least just be like, hey, I was there on a Tuesday and I really like the music and blah, 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 blah. But it's uh -huh. like, yeah, you know. I, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's like, definitely that. Simple communication. Like if you're going to a job, have that unlock as well. Yeah. And you're some, not going to, you're not going to apply for a job if you don't know what the fuck is going on. Well, you might, I don't know. People are desperate, I guess. Maybe that's what it is, dude. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. You know, the hustle is like, it's, it's weeks of desperation sometimes, man. Yeah. And then, so when you, so when you kind of like see these emails and these DMs or whatever, does it kind of trigger something for you when you were kind of on the grind and hustle? Like you empathize or you're like, like, good luck to this fucker. Like, or is it, <laughs> is it both or is it, is it something I'm else? I'm trying to be as diplomatic as I possibly can, dude, with these answers. Cause I have no, to, because you know, I, but... I've been, I dude, I literally called them the struggle years and they were from like one bottle service and like Pitbull and Neo was super popping. And I was just like hitting people up for gigs and it's getting no, no, no. I was like, fuck. Like it really just, it fucking sucked. And then when I finally got my shit together and it was yeah. going, I was like, yes, Summer Patrick finally here. So I kind of, I remember those years a lot. Yeah. I think about them still. So, yeah. and they've read, they've been like kind of battery in my back to kind of keep going. And I learned a lot from taking L's. So, so when people hit me up, I'm always constructive. Like, hey, thanks for reaching out. I'm, I, unless they're really just fucking full of shit, then I'm like, yo, fuck this guy. Yeah, or this no, guy. It, yeah. I get more of that than I do. And I mean, dude, when I know that you've got something going for you, like even the slightest bit, yeah, then you're going to get a reply. You're going to get some interaction going. And, you know, things have turned into something for that. But, dude, like, yeah, man, I'm... I'm looking for like people that are serious about their yeah. shit. So some know? of these 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 people, they're kind of their own worst enemy. They they are the ones. They're almost already like, dude. They're already sabotaging their career okay. like from the get. So know? just be ready from the start. Almost, it's almost like a DJ set. Like you're gonna show up to the DJ set. That's important and like just not have anything planned. You don't show up to the job without a fucking resume, man. Yeah. Like you just don't. Like no one is gonna hire your ass unless you like. And just like when you're trying to get a job, you're competing with other people and you got to showcase why you have something that's worth acknowledging. Yeah. Okay. It's I like, just I like, like a fucking regular job. I like dude. how you boil that down. That, that's good. I mean, it's, I don't know, man. So, and then, so was there ever, and then, so yeah, I think I was kind of talking about you being an Oakland native and, and nightlife. Do you feel like there's a responsibility now for you to represent this? Because there's like new version of Oakland, I think. There is a new, it's new Oakland. There's a, you know, there's yeah. plenty of new Oakland hashtags running around the, yeah. the internet. So. And, it, and it's not, it's not a good thing either. It's, it's a, it's a bad it's thing. It's not always a good thing for yeah. sure. There's yeah. definitely some, some aspects that, um, it very much remains to be seen, but I think a lot of us that were actually doing the Frisco grind during certain years and we started noticing that the bridge and tunnel thing was starting to take over a little bit more. Not everybody that parties in Oakland cares about Oakland, right? That's crazy. The reason why I'm talking about Oakland, because I think it happens in cities in like Los Angeles that's changing, cities like New York that's, yeah, that's yeah. going through a changing. Yeah. What does that mean? Say, oh, people that party in these, because they're not natives, so they don't give a shit about the city or, or this that they're in? Or? It's more that they don't kind of understand what Oakland is about, you know? Like you, you, you might roll up if we're going to dwindle this down to just like standard club goers or whatever. It's, it's, uh, people that come with a certain sense of expectation for what they might experience, like going out to a club or hearing a DJ or something like that. Oh, that's just kind of general across the board entitlement. No, it, 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 well, yeah, yes, it and, is. And, but I mean, not everybody acts on it necessarily. Yeah. It's not like everyone's, you know, you know, we don't have a, like a line of of assholes from Walnut Creek that are like, you know, <laughs> like waiting to throw Why a you got hate on Walnut Creek, dude? Walnut oh, Creek dude. in context is like Jersey to, John, oh, yeah. Maybe not Jersey. I would say, no, I wouldn't say Concord is like, yeah, Concord's a little bit more like Jersey probably. Okay. So people from like the suburbs <laughs> coming into yeah, Oakland. Yeah, just bridge and tunnel crowd, you know? Yeah. And now they come to Oakland and there's a lot of people that go to Oakland now because, you know, Frisco unfortunately has this, it's got a bit of a stigma for people to go out now, you know? Really? 
you know, I, I you, work in SF, so I'm like very No, and I still yeah, work yeah. in SF a little yeah, bit too, yeah. but it's not known as like a spot to so go. So John, yeah, 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 to go party. Um, I it's, think- it's, no, 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 I shouldn't say that. Sorry, I'm not going to, I can't overgeneralize like that. Like Oakland has a massive buzz around it. There's a reason why there's 20 plus new bars and, and clubs. And, and coming. And yeah, there's, and yeah, there's, and there's more coming. Yeah. And there's, dude, there's plenty that close also. There's lots of, you know, oh, okay. they go, yeah. Already, yeah, plenty. Oh, yeah, dude, definitely. Okay. okay. San Francisco nightlife is just a little bit, it's not, it's, it's it doesn't have that uh that aura and that like talking about it the way that people used to talk about it that doesn't mean that there aren't plenty of amazing talented cats that are still here trying to put it on and do dope shit but fuck man if they're like up against it dude like more so than ever and i mean dude i used to I went to school out here, you know, I, I never lived in, in Frisco, but I did, uh, I, you know, I spent so much fucking time, especially like the first 15 years of my DJ career. Yeah. You know, we met like, 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 yeah, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I to, like I told you, yeah, beta lounge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just going back to what you brought up a little bit ago about Oakland always having a nightlife, like that was definitely not the fucking case, dude, for like a good... I would say from when I started mid nineties, you know, 94 up until probably like 2006, the amount of work that you can get as a DJ in Oakland could probably barely pay for your groceries in a week. You know what I'm saying? Like it was very- You're doing all SF work. It was almost primarily SF and even like going down to Sacramento or not down to Sacramento, sorry, uh, down to San Jose and, uh, and up to SAC at that time. Like I was probably, I was probably gigging more in those three cities than I was in Oakland alone because we just didn't have the venues, you know, and the money was kind of meh, you know? Yeah. and, and I mean, we had Lucas. Yeah. What's Luke, that? And also like the sound of the equipment would be like, oh God, like they don't, the DJing is not a priority in this venue. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Shout out Lucas. It was mostly like dive bars and, you know, yeah. like we, you know, for a good amount of time there, we had Ruby Room and Radio and that fit maybe like 30 people and you could still smoke in there and it was fucking grimy and the sound was shit and blah, blah, blah. You know, like it was not, it was nothing admirable. You know, Lucas was probably the one it's probably the one spot where where I would feel comfortable like booking an out of town DJ. I think you did, yeah, play. I remember seeing you. Like, I think that's where I met Headspin and other like DJs. Yeah, yeah like yeah, all the A team guys. You yeah. Know? yeah, 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 yeah for that, sure. Like, like three- Keys and Crates did their first uh, show in the Bay Area at Lucas on the dance floor in a, like a really shitty sound situation. Wow, now they're doing like literally. I just saw them headlining like in the bottle. Well, exactly. not they're co-headlining. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, Grand Theft and Dr. They their first gigs in the Bay Area. They came and play Flow. Like yeah, all yeah, of those yeah. guys. You know? Yeah, you were you were very early on, and I think this is a question I want to ask you about you and social media. But I think you were very early to kind of be the person that is about connecting with DJs in other cities, making mixes, making collaborative projects. You and the finger bangers are very good about putting other DJs in the radar. Is that because you just found like a kinship in these other people or was it all like, oh, if I help you out, which was kind of part of the deal, like not the deal, but yeah, if I'm booking some guys from Houston, I can at least go there and gig. What was the drive behind that? I think probably at first the idea was definitely just to expand the network, you know, and and bring upon. I mean, dude, the you know the first advent of where you could start communicating with like other like-minded DJs in different cities, you know, just whatever Twitter and MySpace and all that kind of shit, you know, probably MySpace. Okay, all right. Here's a good example, like Team Canada. Remember the uh, the Ring of Fire edit? That was like the one that put them on. They did a remix to Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. And it was fucking huge. And they had it as a free download on their MySpace. And I came across their MySpace page. And I remember I downloaded that shit. And I would play it at Lucas all the time. And it fucking slayed, like, wow. constantly. And uh, and that was the one kind of big one, I think, probably, you know, right around the time that they dropped their first mixtape. And then that turned into a relationship. Like, I chopped it up with those guys. And then, you know, we became friends. And I would go up to Montreal on a pretty regular basis. Canada was definitely like, I mean, I was going there pretty consistently for like a good four or five year span, like two or three times a year sometimes just to go build a network with the scene up there and whatnot. And, but anyway, so when they, you know, it was time for them to come to Cali and when they were trying to expand and whatnot, you know, that's, that's how it happened. And so, yeah, like at first I think it was more of, of, uh, I think it was probably more of, of you know, the, the idea here is to, like I said, expand the network, but then eventually, man, you know, we're all like, 
we're, you know, at the we're end of the hustling. day, we're all hustling. Dude. We're all <laughs> back working to that DJs, word. dude. Back you know? to that word. We're all hustling. Yeah, like and working. we're working DJs. We come from that like kind of blue collar ethos, you know, as far as making it work. And <laughs> and again, I guess, you know, going back to the first thing that I said, like that just became too. Again, it just became too much a, a part of what music looked like to me. You know what I mean? It's just like steady, like always trying to grind and get another gig and, yeah. and, you and, know, and again, make some money. And that's because you had a very idealistic relationship with music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just I that. hated it. I don't know. I just felt like it was just like I was pimping myself out in the worst kind of ways, dude. You yeah. Know? So um, we're talking about, you know, social media and your kind of connection yeah. to music. You're very, you're very outspoken yes. on social media. <laughs> I knew you, this was going to come up. Well, yeah. And I think, it should, of course, dude. I'm talking well, to you. Well, I know, think what it is is that I was talking to John about this on the way over here. Has ever made you nervous? Like, yo, I said some spicy shit today. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I have. Oh, oh fuck <laughs> okay. yeah, dude. Okay. You don't really hold back. No. You don't. And, no, and I don't I, have much of a filter when it comes down to it. So... I get banned from Twitter on a pretty regular basis. You do? So, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How does that happen? What do you say? You don't say like, you don't say like, when it comes to politics, dude, I don't give a shit, dude. I'll go like, I wasn't yeah. even talking about, I'm talking no, about, no, I know, I know, I know. That's the reason I get banned from Twitter most okay, of the time. Okay, because you're not like, like, yeah, yeah, I like, like, tell some fucking asshole, like, some senator, you know, go kill yourself. Yeah, like, yeah. no, no, not, no, I don't use that. I've used go play in traffic quite a bit, and okay. that's like an automatic ban. <laughs> really? So you could be there's like, like a, a you know there's like algorithms dude that'll pick up on something. So you, you know? can be like a total alt right piece of shit, like spouting conspiracy theories, spouting phrenology, yeah. all the like just dark fucking terrible stuff. Yeah. But if you say, go play in traffic, yeah. it's like Luke, we've talked about this. Yeah, talk about stick this. to stick to finished rock yeah. breaks. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it makes you nervous. But I'm, no, I'm talking more like specifically the DJ stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever feel like? Yo, they were like, I should have walked that back. I'm gonna walk this back. It's like, no, that's how I feel. I'm gonna stick to my guns. No, I've posted stuff before and then I've deleted it. You know, just because I wasn't too happy about. Uh, I don't know. Of course, there's gonna be some examples. You know, since since fucking Facebook started, dude, where I was just like tipsy and you know felt like talking <laughs> shit or something. Yeah, like we've all been there. But you know what? Look, I think it's nice of you to give me the platform to actually explain where my head is at when it comes to this because there is something a little bit more to it than some people might perceive yeah you because know? i know you in real life and i know you your know wife. me in real life i've yeah. known you for a long time yeah exactly You're, yeah that's exactly. so and you know that this is generally how i am in real life too like i'm not like i mean it's not like i'm running around just like spouting fucking negativity constantly but like i don't have much of a filter i will tell anybody and everybody how I feel about a certain situation, dude. And that's always how I've been, you know, that's never not been the case with me, you know, ever since, um, I'd learned to talk probably, but uh, <laughs> anyway, um, look, a lot of the stuff that I bring up on Facebook that some people, or Twitter or, or whatever, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, whatever. Yeah. And trust me, I've had plenty of conversations with my wife and, you know, people that are close to me and everything that they just think that I'm like on some downward spiral kind of thing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, like, dude, you just posted like, you know, three kind of like negative things in a row. Like, what are you trying to are do? You Sabotage your, you know, career? Are, are you blah, okay? blah. Yeah. You good. You yeah, okay. You yeah. know, what's that all about? And look, the way that I see it is this, not a lot of these things get brought up and, or they don't have an outlet to get brought up. Okay. And what I see come out of these posts that I make on occasion where I'm talking shit about, you know, certain aspects of either barrier living, DJ industry, blah, 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 so-and-so, is that there are discussions that come up and a lot of these discussions end up being really productive. They actually do end up being really productive. And it could be for me personally, like somebody might help me gain a different perspective on a situation or whatever, you know, something kind of like more personal, but more than anything, like I see these discussions go down and there are good things that come out of them. I mean, that's the initial intent. Like, okay, so the most recent one where I was talking about the native tongues thing, did you see that post? Yeah, and that's something, you were talking about that in the 45 session, you're kind of like, you're yeah, ditching like those I'm basically And we talked, and, I, and yeah. I hit you up about, you know, yeah. let me come and do some Yeah, tongues. exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it's really important to note that I try to generally speak on behalf of people that I know are going through the same thing. Okay, I'm not, it's not a... It's not a like a fucking woe is me kind of shit. It's really not like, and I mean, it's the same thing with that Native Tongues one, dude. It's like, I'll say something in the midst of a post like that, that pertains to a lot of people. 
I am so far from the only person, not just in the Bay Area, not just in the States or in California or the States or worldwide that is having frustrating bouts with how things have turned out in terms of just how people treat music, you know, and how it's treated as a, you know, this kind of fly by night thing instead of an actual like, you know, valuable commodity, man. And I come from like you come from that era, dude. A lot of us come from that era where the shit meant something like really, really deep, you know, and it's not to say that there aren't plenty of young people who have a really, really deep relationship with music, but dude, I really give a shit about this. You know what I mean? Like I really do. At the end of the day, if there's one thing that I want to make sure that I leave behind is that people should care about music, you know, and they should care about its history. They should value it on multiple levels, not just financially, just value it as a truly beneficial thing to our lives as a whole, you know, like you shouldn't just treat music and the people that make the music or the people that bring the music to you or all of this kind of shit as just this kind of forgettable thing that you can just move on to the next. You know, that's a big thing for me and with these discussions and just with me in, in general, with my life in general is like, I'm really adamant about making people give a shit and history is a big part of it. You know, that's why in the vein of, of the events that I try to do or have done in the past and that I just simply can't do anymore is that it was about educating as well as entertaining, you know? So when you said just right now, like, I just can't do anymore, you know, we're talking about the 45 sessions and the Native Tongues party. What were those reasons why? Well, look, at the end of the day, it comes down to the dollar. It really does. Mm -hmm. um, I spend a lot of my time, energy, and own money to keep some of these things afloat. And, uh, and then in like the last year or two or so, I just started seeing it dwindle more and more for multiple reasons. Like I don't like to finger point too much. There is just kind of like a general difficulty in the Bay Area, I think, especially, not especially, but man, it's really high up there, dude. Like the cost of living, the the ease of living here in the Bay Area is fucking hard for most people. Or lack you know? of ease, I should say. Yeah, yeah. lack of ease, yeah. You know, not everybody has money to go out and spend. Not everybody has time. People are fucking exhausted. Most cats that I know that are doing the gig economy shit are working for hustles minimum, you know, all this kind of shit, dude. Like, it's all very hard. And so you can't, you know, depend on or expect, you know, people to just come out and support everything that you're doing, even if you think that your head is in the right place as far as like, oh, I'm really trying to like push culture and like, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, there's like, still economics at the end of the there's, day. It's still, it ultimately comes down to the dollar. And that's really where my dilemma is right now is I simply can't afford to do it anymore. There's just not enough financial support. And that's not like, man, you fuckers aren't coming out and supporting my shit. That's not what it is, dude. There's plenty of other people that are going through the same exact shit that are doing art and music in the Bay Area, you know? A lot of people are experiencing the same shit, and I feel for them. And I'm 26 years deep into the DJ and music game this year. And I have a mortgage and bills to pay, and I can't just fuck around with my money anymore. You know, like one of the things I, I try to convey in that post was that it doesn't matter how much you love the music, you know, at some point you kind of have to be realistic about how you spend it, you know, or spend the money, you know, surrounding it. I just can't take chances anymore. Like I can't, you know, I've, dude, I've gotten burned so many fucking times trying to do some dope shit that I thought was valuable and it just didn't work out. And that's okay. That's what it is. I've done a pretty good job of reinventing what it is that I do in my industry here for for the last couple of decades. And so I'm going to be fine. Like, that's not what I'm concerned about. Um, I think it's more, I think probably for me, there is definitely a level of concern about where we're going here yeah. in the Bay Area, like what the future is going to look like as far as art and music goes. You yeah, know? I think I retweeted, you know, I added the thing, yeah, the cost of living is so crazy. Yeah. And can I connect to a point earlier is that you know, we are, we're, you're kind of talking about generational DJs and I'm, I'm very mindful and I think about the younger generation a lot because I want to make sure I'm the dude that helps them, puts them on, gives them jewels. That's kind of what this podcast is about. Sure. That's why I try to Absolutely. share the people's music Absolutely. as often as I could or yeah. try to hook people on with gigs. I kind of get, if you're a 22 year old person, you're not come from means and you live in an expensive city, whether it's San Francisco or New York, anywhere else, I get why you're totally down to go and DJ for five hours for 75 bucks. Exactly. To us, it sounds like a fucking absurd idea yeah, yeah. for us it's like 
600 minimum or yeah. whatever, yeah. Right? Three, you know, maybe three or four, but that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I get, you know, we, I like, we're quick to shit on these kids and, or even adults or how you want to call them. Like I can bring your controller and you're going to send five bucks. And like, yeah, that's my grocery bill for the fucking week. Yeah. And again, that's all because they live in like a shitty, expensive, overpriced city. Yeah. Not shitty. They live in a very tough situation. Yeah. So I'll leave it it's, at that. That's the, that's the bigger picture at hand. It really is, man. You know, we could talk about all the little side notes and these little gripes and blah, blah, blah. And, you but know, yeah, I don't want to do but that. But dude, yeah. at the end of the fucking day, it's really tough to make it work around here. Yeah. It really is, dude. The Bay is one of the most expensive places in the world. Like literally on fucking planet Earth, dude, we live in one of the most expensive and cutthroat areas on the planet, you know? I think it's naive to just pretend like that's not the case and you should just doesn't affect, stay yeah. positive and blah, blah, blah. Like well, I, I just don't. I don't <clears throat> well, I mean, to circle back to San Francisco, there's a reason why, you know, there's so many people that are making six figures pretty much early on in the career that they are now down to go to festivals and experiences and drop like hundred of dollars to go VIP or to go, you know, do things that are, are more than just like a five ten dollar party, right? Because that is that kind of their baseline now. So I've noticed we're talking about there's not a lot of DJ clubs or places you can go and DJ at in San Francisco anymore. Right? They're all high end bars, like very sophisticated cocktail menu. Yeah, exactly. Or they're places that are mega venues and they're selling tickets to go see performances. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, why am I going to open a venue where I'm only charging twenty bucks tops when I can open a venue? and have guests or performers or whatever, some type of attraction where I can charge 30 or 40 or 50 or even more and, and have bottle service. You know why? Because the demographic of the city can't afford that. Right. So, and you know, and then Oakland's are more affordable. So I think that these, yeah. these all ideas are connects and you know, they kind of connect when you see them long enough. So. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. And I mean, that's another thing too, is that Oakland is changing now as mm -hmm. well you know yeah i think you said a big part of history is and i want to definitely talk about two things with you is specifically when it comes to history is your breaking the ice project yeah sure. because i think the reason why that was stuck in my head because i've been trying slowly it's been taking it's 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 a lot of work and you probably know it too i want to make a tape of uh latin disco nice from latin countries yeah but there's a lot of whack Latin disco. It's yeah. really cheeky. There's sure. some fire. And I'm always asking people like, hey, any Latin disco, let me know. Yeah. So when you did your mix, Breaking the Ice, I was like, yo, good for him. Because I think it's also important that people of that culture make a music so they not just control the narrative, but give it a very honest and truthful narrative that I think an outsider would not really catch on. Yeah. So and if you want to kind of boil down the essence of Breaking the Ice and, and what was that about, like your motivations and the outcome and anything else. <laughs> I just, uh, sorry, I was just thinking about this now because you, you just said outcome. Uh, the reception was fantastic, but I just booked my first like international gig off of that mix. Yeah, I got booked for a festival in the north of France. Um, wow. Yeah, because this guy picked up the CD at a record store in Reykjavik and has just been listening to it nonstop and he runs this this festival out there. So he's, yeah, like that was, that was, that was fun. I got that email this morning, dude. So, um so anyway, like, yeah, it's been really awesome. It has. The premise of that mix is basically a marriage of my experience uh, living here and, and you know, just being a, a hip-hop kid uh, and being from Iceland because um, obviously all the, you know, the music selection is 100% Icelandic, but the approach is definitely not one... And we, I mean, we talked about this in the liner notes and everything of the actual release um, is that Iceland is just not known for that style of music yeah. at all. So when I heard it, I was like, whoa. Yeah, you're yeah. like, why do B-boy breaks, you know, just like shit like that. And like, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, off the wall, just jazz shit and yeah. whatever, you know, everything like that. Like, yeah, there's a lot of genres that are going on in there. There's 82 songs total on the mix. So. But yeah, it was just like, shit, man, you know, that feels pretty original to do what would be considered a breaks mix, you know, that what we know historically as breaks mix, where you basically, you know, are either playing samples or rocking some shit that could be a sample, you know, but it's coming from Iceland, you know. From like, your country. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, this isn't, dude, it, it, it's not an entirely unique thing. You know, Nuts did a bunch of, you know, he did a couple of Brazilian joints um, right around the time when Brazil was really blowing up. And he was just like, yeah, I need to showcase to the world that there's those of us that have been 
paying attention to this for longer than, you know, the new hype is all about. You know what I mean? Did you ever see it like, I need to do this for, because this is my heritage? Or is this more like, I want just want to showcase some new music that, oh, also happens to be where I'm from? It's It was definitely both, you know. I mean, I do the, all the music on there I think is exceptional. Like, personally, I think it's really, like, strong music. And I've talked about this also, is that it's like, it's unintentional groove. And I just love shit like that. Like I've traveled the planet and picked up enough records where you're just like, dude, they were obviously not trying to be funky, but they turned out to be funky. Yeah. And that's fucking dope to me. Like I love that premise that uh, even if you're trying to do rock music or something that's totally not in the vein of what we would consider, you know, groove or funk music and you just kind of accidentally do it. Like that's so dope to me, and that's basically what that music was. You know, I mean, there were certain, there were definitely certain artists. Like, there's, you know, there. I mean, there's like a Otis Redding cover on there. You know what I mean? And like, like a lot of the covers that are on there are like they were obviously listening to Black American music. You know, that was an apparent influence. And that also goes back to uh, that's one of the things we talk about in the liner notes because um, the liner notes essentially is the history of my dad's music experience yeah. as a DJ. So uh, if I could jump in, was there a kind of uh, now, especially now, is it kind of this uh, a kind of homage or a bittersweet kind of connection with to the whole thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. You know, a lot of those records were his, man. They're in my house and, you know, like I have, dude, it's crazy, man. Like we were divvying up his stuff not too long ago and it's like I wear some of his clothes, you know what I mean? Like I was the only person in the family that could fit into him, you know? And so like, yeah, he's like, he's forever going to be around, you know, in that sense. And so obviously, and I mean, dude, that, that I was really adamant. We were adamant needle to the groove who put it out. We were adamant about making sure that this thing got out while he was still in okay condition enough to yeah. see it and appreciate it. You yeah. Know? That, that's kind of the thing when I saw that mix and kind of knew what was going on with you personally and, yeah. and talking about it now, unfortunately, since he's, he's passed on, it's yeah. like, this is, Again, this is not just a mix of like, yo, I got some records that you don't. Yeah. This is more about a personal story. Yeah, no, for sure. There's yeah. there's a pretty heavy history behind the whole shit. Yeah. And then, so I think it's cool. So that you just told about the whole, you getting booked on an international festival. Like that's, that's amazing. I, I was fucking, yeah, of course, man. That's like, I was so geeked off of that, man. And the fact that he would pick it up in Iceland, you know, yeah. this guy, it's a festival that he does, I guess, in a few different countries throughout the EU. Borealis is the name of it, but they do it in different, like I said, in different countries. But this one is happening um, later this year in uh, Normandy. Oh, of all places, okay. you know, in the north of France. I think I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that Normandy. That that's Normandy, like the tagline. So, yeah. And then kind of returning back to history, yeah. is that kind of maybe another connection why you do Motown Money's Oakland? To kind of preserve history or to have an outlet? or Because I think, you know, it's, yeah, these are all things. Because it's a weekly party. It's an off night. X, yeah. Y, Z. Like what is, uh, you know. Well, the interesting thing about Motown, and, and I actually haven't been super involved up until, uh, I, mean, I mean, now we just brought it over to Hello Stranger. Yeah. Like we just had the I know. I saw that. I was yeah. like, you bastard, Luke. No, yeah. dude, that wasn't even my idea, man. That sure. wasn't even my, no, it really wasn't. Dude. Yeah. It actually, Insider trading. Yeah, yeah, I know. Because okay. I guess the other venue sold, changed ownership or something like that. But anyways. but Yeah. The, so. Yeah. But uh, look, the interesting thing about Motown is that it's probably like the one, because we don't have a lot of things like that left here in the Bay Area at all. Just a weekly party that cracked. Well, just, but that's focused on old music. That, yeah, I would that, say something to do during the week, dude. Like, yeah. I, just that alone. Like, I, I was like, I, my best friend, like, yo, you want to go out tonight? Like, yeah, what's going on? Or like, you know, it's, yeah. So, again, I'm there sorry. just There aren't very many outlets. And that's why I think, honestly, man, DJs across the board, like, they fucking love that party. They love to come and play that party because it's, it's just such a vast... Uh, you know, it's it's very, very different from what we normally get to do because it's literally based on the premise of the party is not no new music because there's plenty of edits and like remixes and shit or like new that. Artists new artists. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you are focused strictly on old music and it's a dance floor and the energy is about people dancing. Mm. Um, and is the, and I noticed the crowd is really different from the other Motown monies. Like I said, I've been oh, to- Oh, the Oakland one? Yeah. Because yeah. I've been to the LA one. I've been to it many times. Yeah. I'm like a fixture of the SF one. Yeah. I've done- yeah. What do you notice that's different? Tell me. The thing I liked about it, first of all, is that across the board, it's economically diverse. Yes. There is people that I could tell are working class. People I can tell they're very well moneyed. Yeah. People are black. People are brown. People are older, younger, in between. Yeah. It's very diverse. And that's just because that's just the demographics of Oakland. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think I was like, it has its own, and LA's like that too. SF is, has its own, LA has its own diversity, its own, like, you know, it's its own quirks and enemy quirks in a good way. So is SF. Every single one has its own little sure. quirks. But yeah, even the music at your version is very different. It's more R&B, it's more black, it's more brown, it's more kind of family cookout classics. Still like the, like not new Oakland, but original Oakland. Yeah, actual yeah. Oakland. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Well, no, I mean, you pretty much said it all you know it is it's a house party it's a it's a cookout dude you know that's what it is it's what it's what like if you if that's the music that you're playing for because you know obviously all the motowns all the motown on mondays like doesn't focus strictly on motown music right it's, yeah, a, it's a big it's a base it's a big for fish it. bowl. yeah yeah i've always said that like you know the ultimate test whether or not you can really kill it in oakland is how you rock an old school set there you know, because it's just like, it's so part of the soil, man. So, it really is. Like, it's such a big part of what Oakland still is. Is It's so deeply rooted in just like the history of the people of color that live in that city. You know what I mean? Like, it's a fucking chocolate city, dude, to its core, you know? And man, as much as people are trying to take over it and change shit about it, dude, like, it's like Oakland just keeps fighting, you know? It really is like it really is like a fully, fully permeated aspect of what that town really is, you know. I mean, that's kind of what you're doing. Like you're still fighting. You're I'm fighting. still fighting, but man, fuck, dude. I mean, your you your battles are different, but you just you are a product of Oakland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt, I mean, of you're course, talking about too. history that is as a big part of Oakland history. So yeah. it kind of, I guess, maybe subconsciously or consciously, it's now shaped who you are as a person. I think it's probably safe to say, you know, for sure. I mean, I'm really proud to represent that city. Like, I don't live in Oakland anymore. I haven't lived in Oakland for, it's going on six years now. But I bounced because I couldn't afford it anymore. And I wanted, like, space, you know? like I couldn't. I've been to your house. It's a nice house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, But anyway, so, yeah, but I, you know, but I represent that city to the fucking fullest, you know? And I have for a very long time now. You know what just happened, man? What's it? I've known you for 20 years. Mm. Maybe longer. You've known give or take. Yeah. And I have like a bigger respect and have a great understanding of who you are now. Understanding where you're from and where that place is all about. So when you talk about social media, when you talk about history, when you talk about fighting the good fight, when you talk about, you know, maybe going the path that isn't the easiest, that makes sense because you're from a place where the path isn't the easiest and it's always been about rebellion. It totally makes sense of who you are, you know? Dude, and that's the thing, man. It's like Frisco used to be about rebellion too, dude. And there is a lot of people that are out here still fighting, dude, of course. But man, dude, it's just, it's rough, dude. It's rough to see voices of dissent being stuffed down like that. You know what I mean? Like it's really, it's it's heartbreaking because we've always been counterculture around here. You yeah, know? we still are, but it's it's different. And I think that comes and goes, man, because I just finished reading a great book called Season of the Witch and things that they're fighting great for. Great song. Uh, yeah, that too. The songs that they are fighting about, things that they are fighting about are still things that people today are fighting about. So it's always cyclical. It's always going to be It is always cyclical. You're absolutely right. None of this stuff like necessarily lasts forever. And I think... For better or for worse. Yeah, exactly. And I think... The good will will stop and so will the bad, ideally. So we're talking about fighting and and just kind of... Not fighting, but I guess staying the path. And I always like to ask guests if there's a song that kind of gets them in that mode and that spirit. And since you're such a music guy, what's a song that is like, this is my shit? If I'm going to go to war, not literally. If I'm going to go to war. Not literally, but, you know, in a, in a figurative sense, what's the track you put on to kind of get you in that in that mind frame? Man, I always, le- like, I don't know. You know, I, I, I lean towards melancholy music so much from, you know, all over the map. <laughs> Probably because, like, you know, half the time I'm just trying to, like, calm myself down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh-huh. Like, yeah, there's my answer right there. Um like going to war, like going to fight or like going to war, like I just need inspiration to, inspiration. you know, go take on. Uh, yeah. You know, it would honestly do it. It would probably be some instrumental music because just like, I don't know, man, certain melodies just like fuck me up sometimes, dude, where it just like, dude, why is this particular riff right here? Just like giving me that kind of that feeling dude like what is it like i you know even when i listen to people if there's lyrics in a song dude i'm usually always like that melodic moment you know like not even way if it's a singer like you know you know how like when you listen like some of my favorite i was just talking to somebody about ludicrous the other day and how fucking sick that dude was with 
like he was so funky. Like he he rapped like a like a bass player. Like he rapped like Bootsy almost. You know what I mean? Like he he just had these crazy pockets where and like remember listening to fucking like alcoholics back in the day like they were the same kind of dudes like where they just had these pockets man that just got me so fucking inspired so anyway so like it's not it's, just a song it's an element and that song if it has a pocket and it's kind of melancholy yeah so meters it would have to be just like yeah it would have to be like a fucking meter song and like even then dude it, like it would probably be a mellow one like ease back or some shit like yeah. that uh-huh. but there's just something dude. i like that when you're about to get locked in, a song called titled Ease Back. Ease Back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ease Back is one of my favorite meter songs of all time. But, dude, like, when you listen to fucking Zigaboo play, dude, it's just like, dude, it could be the most mellow song, and you could tell that dude is just like fucking like, uh, like I'm just, you know, yeah, dude, like he's so fucking focused, man. Right on, man. Well, so, dude, yeah. um, that's always, I always like to ask that question as a last question because you kind of can see, like, a guest kind of, you see the wheels turning and then they just kind of go off and they always surprise you. People have done, you just did meters. Yeah. I think someone did Mariah Carey. So, Tight. Yeah. yeah like it's that. a wide range here. Putting set, man. So anyways, love is a battlefield. Some shit. I don't know. Whatever. A, I mean, I could, that's how, going, yeah. I, I almost bought that 12 inch yesterday. Yeah. There you go. Almost. Great song. Anyways, my man, DJ Platter. Thank you. Sir. High fives, dude. Oakland faders. Thank you so much for your Thanks, time. Bro. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, dude.